Hey everyone, in this episode with Mo Amar, we get to know Mo as maybe something you're not used to, something more serious, the human behind the comedian. How is Mo? How did he reach where he reached? How hard has he worked? How is his background? How does he keep doing what he's doing? So I think it will be interesting for all of you to listen to Mo, but this time on a serious note and a very human one. Hello. Hello. هلا مو محمد هلا فيك حبيبي كيف حالك؟ اليوم المقابلة بنخليها قلنا شو انجلش عربيك؟ انجلش عربيك ميكس كوكتيل اي اولويز اسك ا سيجنتشر كويستشن ويتش اي ثينك از ا كروشال ون اي سي محمد هاو ار يو ريلي دوين؟ كيف الحال؟ بصراحة هاو ام اي دوين؟ ام دوين جريت بصراحة ام دوين فيري فيري ويل يعني the world always sends you different obstacles in whatever that you're doing and accomplishing in your life and it's just part of this journey when you say Muhammad obstacles do you think Muhammad is a guy who always takes the harder route in life or the easier route I think like you know my my mentor said that stand-up comedy is a road unpaved. You pave it as you go. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where it's gonna go. You just have a vision. Yeah. You have to stick with that vision and you have to make your own way. So whenever you're doing that, it's gonna create a lot of uncertainty and spontaneity. Yeah. And sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not so good. But that comes with building something special mm. and new. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, if we take um, <laughs> a backpack, right? Like uh, imagine you have a backpack and, uh, you, and you put all of your emotions that you're feeling at the moment in this uh, period. Mm-hmm. And I take the backpack and I open it. Which, what would I find? And how is that with therapy? What would you find if I had all these emotions in one backpack? Mm. How I'm feeling right now or in general? In this period, if I take it and I, mm. I want to look inside, what would I find? Number one is gratitude. Spirituality. Belief. Mm. Uh, love, lots of love. Sadness. Energized, I think those are like the main the main ingredients okay and if we play with your imagination and we think of a white canvas mm-hmm. empty mm-hmm. and i ask you to paint your mental state at the moment what would you paint oh that's really funny my first thing my mind did was red and just throw it against the white canvas that's mm-hmm. what i saw it's a really good question so weird when you said white canvas i just pictured a bunch of paint just and splat it mm. against the wall and see what happens and see what it looks like. That's an interesting <laughs> answer, yeah, I like it. There's gonna be all kinds of <laughs> philosophers and psychologists watching this. Oh, it's very interesting, Mo. You need some medication probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we rewind, mm-hmm. um, your childhood, how was it? Beautiful, honestly, um, up until the war, until the Gulf War, and still, all, even all of it is a really beautiful experience. But the Kuwait, we were all united, 
my family was all together and it was a beautiful thing. When the Gulf War happened, it reminded us that we're Palestinian and now we have to start over somewhere else. Yeah. You forgot in Kuwait, like you forgot at that time that we're fragmented and spread out. So it was a big learning curve going to Houston, Texas and starting over and now all of us are separate, starting different lives. But it's, it's all like beautiful, I wouldn't change anything. Okay. My friends that I grew up with in Houston are amazing from incredibly diverse backgrounds. And we're like brothers to this day. All our kids play together and hang out together. Like it's, it's beautiful, it's really spectacular. To go have the experience of being equipped, and then go out of Houston and then have my teenage years, yeah, it was difficult. It was very, very hard to lose my father at 14, to start doing stand-up, to five years removed from that, understanding social uh, cues and, and what's cool, what's not cool. Um, just like so much. And growing up, puberty, you have so much going on in emotions and a fragile spiritual state. So it was, it was, um, it's, um, it was a really, really difficult road that was traveled, but what a rewarding one and a beautiful one. And the relationships I've made are priceless. Um, a question for anybody probably, and, and this comes to you and then spreads to people who go through similar things. Losing a father at a 14 year old yeah. age, a lot of people say it's a very sensitive time because you're turning into a man, you know, sure. it's a puberty time. How was yeah. it for you? Painful, extremely painful. Um, you know, again, that age is a very vulnerable spiritual state as well. I don't know what it is about that number, like 14, 15, 16. You're thinking about, you know, what do you believe in, who you are, you're trying to figure it out. So it was extremely painful. It was a very sad story, you know, like to lose, uh, for him to work so hard all of his life, to all be taken away overnight, and then just to, to die that way. All of his friends, by the way passed away early, a lot of them. A lot of, a lot of, because they're all in their 50s, they work so hard all their life and having to start over like this, I think it was so stressful. It's a very sad thing. A lot of them died early, a lot of them. So it was just, you know, life. But I, my teacher always said like, hey, people who believe, people who have true like Iman, <laughs> in moments like these, you get stronger and you push forward and you come way better for it. And those who don't will spiral out of control in those scenarios. And I think that I definitely have Iman. I'm not like I have it, like I'm like a complete belief. Um, and at that age, you're so young, you still can't grasp everything around that. So it becomes really painful and, and, and confused and and, 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 you know, but I found stand-up comedy and art was the thing for me, the, the way to express myself and, and have this like phenomenal outlet. So that's, that was my saving grace. May I ask how he passed? <coughs> yeah, excuse me. Uh, he had a heart attack. Hmm. An heart attack, um, a sudden thing, he was in the hospital. I don't know, like two, three weeks, about three weeks. Hmm. And he just got worse. One day he's better, one day he's not, you know, it was one of those things. And that's, that I find really tiring. Like the worst moments in my life mm -hmm. were moments where I couldn't do anything about it. 
yeah. helpless moments, right? Sure. And I don't, this glimmer of hope and then no hope and glimmer of hope, it's so tiring on the soul. Because yeah. one day like, Ya Rab, inshallah he'll be okay. Next day they're like, ah, he's going. Yeah. And you keep, this roller coaster is so, I don't know. Yeah. Tiring. It is, it's tiring, but you're not the one going through it. I'm sure it's a lot worse for the person going through it. That guy was so young, you know, like it was really, really exhausting. I think anything would have been really difficult. And I think transition and death is something that's not really talked about. People forget <laughs> we're not immortal. Like we're just travelers, you know, we're here, we're visiting, you know, act accordingly. <laughs> like You don't know when is your time. You really don't. It's scary to think, you know, it's scary to think like, oh, by the time you're 25, really, if you think about it, probably like, imagine like part of your leg in the grave already, like at 25. If you're just using it as a base of percentage of your life, mm. even you live to be 100, that's still 25% of you in the grave. So it's just like, what are you doing? What are you leaving behind? What kind of life are you living? Um, what is the accomplishments and what is the people that can like, you know, for me in, in entertainment and stand up in particular and creating something that's culturally sound, that is timely and timeless, that opens the door for many more to come after me. That is, that to me is like special. You know, I smile. Uh, yesterday I had a good conversation mm. and uh, I was with an interesting guy who's also uh, breaking mm. barriers for the Arab talent and all of that. And I told him, I told him, you know, if we're, it stops at us, we would have failed. Like the point of Muhammad now doing what he does as art, as comedy, yeah. is you hope that there will be another thousand after you. Yeah. That should be the goal. It shouldn't be like only me, me, no, it's all about me. No, it should no, be of course not. Yeah. my legacy is to make it easier for the next one. Sure. And if it doesn't, then I didn't do much. And you're welcome. <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> There's a lot of pain that comes in that, but there's a lot of beauty that comes from that too. So it's it's always like that. And I and and the thing that I bring up the most when we're talking about these things, are you doing it for the art or for the fame? Mm. Are you doing it for to tell these stories in the passion of filmmaking or stand up or whatever art form that you find you know most interesting to you that brings out the best in yourself? What are you doing it for? What is the intention? of this do you want to be famous or do you want to be an artist because great art you'll be rewarded with it and for it right whether it's fame money everything you ever wanted if you just focus on that and you do that really well at the highest level everything is coming so it's just like my mentor used to tell me like ah you know just worry about being funny be the funniest one in the world like be hilarious be a killer be a well-rounded machine and stand up. That's all you need to focus about. That's it. Don't think about anything else because everything else will work itself out. Mm. As long as you're the one knocking them out, you're okay. Like, don't worry, literally don't worry about anything else. That was really sound advice. <clears throat> it was about focusing on the art, being great at what you do. Everything else falls into place. So I, I hope that that happens. Mm. You know, if you get into it because you want to be famous, you want to have 15 minutes, it's not gonna be like <clears throat> a worthy trek for me. Might as well do something else, for real. You talk about comedy and you know going at an interesting age, very young. Um, was comedy a medicine? Mm. I mean, does it mask your pain? 
because a lot of I've I've read a lot that comedians you know cover all that they make everything humorous, even their depression or suicidal sure. thoughts or mm-hmm. you know anything funny or any key message comes through through comedy sure. because it, it's received more. Uh, breaking racism or breaking stereotypes, so many things you can do through the the beauty of the art of comedy. Right. But is it a mask at the end of the day of a human who's going through so much, but they make it light? I mean, I think it can be. It can be a mask. It depends on like the artist, right? Everybody's a little bit different. For me, it was unintentionally therapeutic. I didn't know it was going to be therapeutic for me. It's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to do when I was 10 years old. I figured it out that I want to be a stand-up comedian. I didn't know I was going to lose my father four years later and I was going to be skipping class and my teacher is going to bring me back and, you know, let me do stand up in class and then take me to theater arts department. I didn't know all this. And I always say that it started with me, um, you know, at four, at 10 years old when I saw stand up comedy in Houston for the first time at the rodeo. But really, it started when I was seven and we were in, uh, in Bilqahira. وأنا وأبوي وأمي وأخوي وأبوي أخذنا على مدرسة والسيد الشغال أخذنا وعاد شفت عاد الإمام لايف I was seven years old and I was like laughing I don't even know what the hell I was laughing at I was just like laughing and seeing it I was very inspired to see what سيد الشغال at seven years old see عاد الإمام لايف like in his prime very cool thing to experience I think definitely Akid Yani was planted there mm. at seven. And then who could have ever figured out that there was, the war was going to happen three years, three years later? Boom, we have to move to Houston. Next you know, I see stand up comedy for the first time. Like, that's it. You know, it's crazy. Nobody could have figured that out. But it is therapeutic. It has been that way for me. It's a way of like uh, expression, frustration, anything. Mm. Comedy could be angry, it could be fun, it could be like, it depends. You could be whatever you, like, you, you could be frustrated on stage and people are going to laugh at it. Like the pandemic thing, the Muhammad in Texas, that pandemic bit is like seven minutes long or whatever, just talking about, it's not pandemic, it's about like the frustration with politics, the frustration with humanity, the, 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 the fact that everybody's like selfish and thinking about themselves, the confusion that runs around it, this like capturing that moment like that. And seeing that, I was really frustrated. Like, I'm not, I wasn't trying to be funny. I was like really mad. <laughs> and the first time I tried it, I was just going off. And I went on a rant and I must have been going like 100 miles an hour. And it was so good. Everybody's like, I don't know what that is you just did, but I've never seen you do that. But it's so good for us to see you so mad and frustrated, relieved us. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So it could be therapeutic to the artist. It could be dark. It could be bad. Like, it depends. Mm. on the human being and what they're going through. And, and I think for me, specifically, like having faith and, and understanding that that there's, uh, you know, that we're travelers and we are going somewhere after this is what helps me stay grounded and like, hey, there's no reason to rush it. You know, if you're thinking, if you're feeling suicidal as an artist, like there's no reason to, buddy. Don't worry. If there's anything that's guaranteed, is your exit. That's the only thing. So don't worry about that and focus on the present and being great at what you do. And uh, how was your relationship with your parents growing up? Fantastic. You know, dad worked all the time. Dad worked, but he's uh, incredibly like um, artistic person as well. Took pictures all the time and always had the dopest technology. He was a telecommunications engineer. 
So he always had like, he was always hip to all the new phones, of course, but all the new tech, audio, uh, video. It was very cool to be around that and uh, great relationship. You know, my mom and I are very, very close, like classic Arab mom relationship. Like, you know, if, if you don't answer the phone, something's terrible, something's going on. Like we have to talk every day, multiple times a day to feel like at ease, you know, mm. very, very close, very good, very good relationship. What is something you learned from each lesson? Um, man, my mom, how long do you have, bro? Like so much. <laughs> Obviously, I've had a lot more time with my mother. For my father, I would say like the, the like going for it, like believing in something and like going for it, even though it's not very popular. I could tell my dad was, you know, after hearing his stories, <laughs> is that he's like someone who took what he loved seriously and pursued that to the fullest and didn't care what people thought. And he was right. Mm. Like, I think he was right to do that. And it was very inspiring. Uh, my mom is like perseverance, like, oh my God, like the ability to stretch uh, whatever little, you know, whatever money she was making, whatever she was doing to make it feel like it was, you know, 10 times more to the compassion, the, the iman, the faith, the, the poetry. My mom is like, she's a poet. She's an incredibly um, sophisticated mind of, and, and wordsmith and just the ability to come up with these, like, uh, these anecdotes to life. And she's just an incredible person. Yeah. Hmm. That's nice, man. Yeah. You're lucky. Very. Hmm. That hits you. Yeah, of course. Of Why? course. Why? It's special. Just remembering some of her poems. It's cool. Yeah. What's her name? Abby. Her name, Amina. Yeah, Abby. You know what I'm saying? Like, you... I'm very close to my mom, so yeah. I can see. Tell her. me. <laughs> Ask me. <laughs> How has your mom inspired you? Tell me something about your mother. Uh, well, my mom is Hala. Your mom uh, is Amna. Mashallah. Um, we're lucky, man. Very. We are really lucky. My mom, I call her my first school. <laughs> She's my foundation. Yeah. You know? And uh, I'm really curious, like, why such a special and sensitive thing is your mom to you? <sighs> Come on, man. You're just picking, what is this, Oprah? You make everybody cry or something? What's happening here? Oh, why is my mom special to me? Why is the why is air important to you? <laughs> like, uh, why is? Why is air? Like air. Breathing air. Well, you know why, why, is, why is water? Yeah. Because a lot of people more miss what you have or yeah. don't know the blessing that they have. You know, some people don't talk yeah. to their parents for years. Crazy. And for me, that's alien. Yeah, it's alien. When I see people like, hey, I haven't talked to my mom in a week. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. How could you not talk to your parents for a week? It's just so weird. To, it's a completely foreign concept to me. Uh, my, my mother is like a, a like true, like, she's like a mountain, man. Like, just stabilizing the earth. <laughs> she really is like that. Just an incredibly... Uh, 
powerful person with little words, very soft, very sweet, very kind, but you could tell like, oh man, this is a soldier. You know what I mean? Like, they don't make them like that. It's rare. Very, very rare. And all of her sisters and her brother are like that. They're all like that. They're like my mom's. It's incredible. I'm so lucky. So lucky, for sure. Alhamdulillah. Allah Amen. Amen. It's beautiful. Yeah, enough, bro, with moms, bro. You're killing me, bro. What are you doing? That's why in the series, I chose Yamo. Like, I wanted to put Yamo in an episode. Mm. It was so important to me. Like seeing my dad only cry on two different occasions when my grandmother passed away, and when he saw that scene from Gawar, and seeing Yamo, and I remember looking around, I was like six, maybe, but it was such a powerful moment because I was looking at all the adults in the room, and they're all in shambles. <laughs> it's the first time, because you know, Arabs were all in control, no crying, nothing, you know, Zerami, Allah, you know. And you look around and everybody's like, <laughs> like captivated by this classic TV show. Uh, and I was like, man, I didn't know that I was going to use it in my own series, you know, 30 years later. Imagine. It's pretty incredible. And uh, so having the phone, man, our music supervisor was able to track it down because he said, man, Mo, I don't know, bro. This is going to be a very hard song to get approval for it. I was like, listen, I will stop everything. I will fly to Syria. I will go find the Red Laham. Like, tell me where he is. If that's what I got to do, that's what I have to do. And I was very serious. I was like, I'll go there. Yeah. I was like, I will fly there. I will meet with him. Whoever I got to meet with, I will do it personally. And he goes, he goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to try again. He got in touch with the Red Laham. He was able to get in communication with him, get him to write me a letter approving that I could use the song for the series. And what a powerful moment, just like in my dedication to my mom. That's why I named the episode Yamo, and I put it in the series 30 years later while she's making olive oil. It was the most beautiful, it was one of my favorite parts of making the show. That's so nice. <laughs> and you know why it's nice? Because you give a shit. You want to do it with your heart. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, ah, oh, it's inconvenient, skip, right? Yeah. But you said I'd even fly to Syria. And I think that shows that you're true to your craft. Yeah. Which a lot of people, unfortunately, like you said, why are you in it? Are you in it because of the popularity, the money, the fame? Yeah. Which is fine, but shouldn't be your main goal. If sure. it's a byproduct, no problem. Sure. But why are you even doing it? Because if it's for that, the moment you don't get money, guess what? You're going to stop. The moment you don't get enough likes and fame, yeah. you're going to be like, fuck this. I'm, I don't want to even do this. Exactly. That's yeah. not the purpose for it. And I was dead serious. Like, I would find there's certain things that you just like let go. We'll find something else. We'll figure out throughout the, like, musically or whatever the thing is. This is this was non-negotiable. This was like, no, we're doing this. Like, I have to figure it out. Click. Sorry. <laughs> Get to work. And so, hell, I got to give it up to him, man. He really, really came through. For a lot of stuff, like, in the music on the music side, he was our music supervisor for the show. But that was a huge, huge deal for me. Mm. A big, big deal. And for the Arab world, like, hey... This is something that, yes, you know, it's something I've battled with my whole life. Like, uh, Houston, Texas, but then it's like, you go, you go visit the Arab world, and they're like, ah, that Yeah, but not really. Like, from 
Yeah, you come back to America, like, where are you born overseas? Oh, he's from over there. So where the hell do I belong? I'm like, in the middle, I'm like, in limbo. He's like, no, I'm both. This is what makes me who I am. Yeah. It's like for the music and the show. I was like, what kind of music do I have for the show? I was like, well, I want to have a little bit of Palestinian folk music. This is who I am. A little bit of Syrian folk music, Shammy region, a little bit hip hop, a little bit jazz, a little bit country, a little bit bluegrass. This is what you get when you have a, a place called like the United States of America where somebody travels from another part of the world that is influenced and influences mm. his surroundings. You have somebody like me? You know, a lot of uh, Arabs uh, struggle with the third culture kid. Uh, status that they feel and I've heard it so many times and people also recommended that I do a special episode with three different people That'd be cool. that can talk about this because you have it in every country in the Arab world you have it in the Europe you have it in the States where these Arabs have migrated and nobody wants them like nobody would give them the credit that they're with them so the Arabs say ah oh, you're the foreigner like you said yeah. and that country say no you're the Arab yeah. and then they feel an identity I don't want to call it a crisis but confusion yeah, some people it is a crisis. Some people they spiral out. They don't feel they belong anywhere. Super, like people get super depressed really easy, quickly. People's uh, you know mental and spiritual state is really vulnerable. You can easily lose it so quickly. Yeah. So we the compassion thing is very important. You know, um, holding some of that, not just joking it away. Like hey, and you get to America, and like, God, oh, this fucking guy is not from here. Like, no, man, I'm a compassionate person. I'm thoughtful of both worlds. I'm actually the best asset for you. Yeah. You're the bridge. A bridge, exactly. You create such a, whether it wasn't on purpose, it just happened. You know, it's not like I walk around like, I'm going to be the bridge between East and West. Who the fuck says that? Like, it's weird. You know, it's such an egomaniac when we say that. To me, it's it's just like creating telling stories that I saw that there was a, like, not even a gap, it doesn't exist in modern American Western culture where we've influenced it so much and they've exported so much from there, from us, without any credit whatsoever. And our stories don't exist in, on that level in mainstream global culture. Mm. And that's why I'm like grateful to have the show on Netflix and to make something that I know that will last forever. Like, and would you say, Muhammad, the, the Netflix show is an actual depiction or reflection of you, what you went through? I think it's, it's like a really grounded experience of what I went through. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of it that was like copy paste, you know, like at the end of episode seven, that really happened to us. Uh, beginning of episode seven, that really happened to us. Um, you know, I was recreating memories. Uh, in that scenario, showing my mom, she's like, "How did you do this?" Like, it's like, yeah, pictures, memory, and she couldn't believe it. Like, I'm almost floored by it. Uh, whether it be fish out of water in Houston as a little kid when I first got to, you know, fifth grade. Um, so just having that experience and what that's like, there's so much. I'm not addicted to lean. I'm not addicted to drugs. Nothing like that. So how did it not? But this is the way you like can fictionalize it and give yourself a character to play mm -hmm. and add more dimension to the story. And, and it, it's commentary on people who try to cope and self-medicate and try to figure it out, which is extremely common, way more than you think. Correct. And so whether it be like with medicine 
or with something else, habits, bad habits in general? I think even the, the drug thing in your character is so important, Mo, yeah. because also in Arabic societies, we like to put things under the rug, like everything is cool. Mm-hmm. Until the rug is like this, yeah, exactly. and everybody's like not even addressing it. It's fine. It. <laughs> we'll just step over it. Yeah. Oh, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So, um, but it, we have that problem because yeah. we don't. We find it uh, embarrassing instead of just addressing the Come elephant on. in the room. So yeah. I think by by showing an Arabic char- Arab character who's gone through challenges mm-hmm. of migration, refugee. Uh, trying to make it. I remember the show where you're trying to sell things and you're yeah. trying to do this and the social security issue. So how does a human being cope with that? And some yeah. people succumb to meds or drugs yeah. or whatnot. And I think we need to talk about this because sure. some family members are doing that. Absolutely. Okay. How can we help them? Exactly. Rather no. than ignore them. Exactly. And I think that recognition of it is one, not being secretive about it is two, having real conversations and understanding where it's coming from and what are you suppressing? What is the thing that you're trying to stop from coming out? And maybe sometimes it's just feeling it. Feeling it is just so intense. How you feel something and how I feel something is completely different. Where you just, I feel it way more intense than you do, could be. And you need that, you feel like you need that. so it's, it's just a fascinating thing to do, like to explore as, a, you know, as an artist within a, within a series to play that definitely gave me more dimension and more layers to my character. It was like, whoa, there's, I've never done that before. It was yeah. fascinating to do it. Even in like episode seven, when he's having the withdrawals, I remember Slick, our director, who's phenomenal, Slick Neon was incredible. And he was just, um, he was just like, okay, you're having withdrawals. I want you to take it all the way. I was like, all the way, all the way? He was like, all the way. Like, you're in, in, you know, take me through the whole progression. So we're in there for like seven minutes, like filming me just losing myself. I almost threw up. Like, I was so in, in it. I fooled my brain where I almost like started sweating. And that was a real thing at the end there. Like, I, I just, it was too real. I was like, I can't do it anymore. I was like, that's it. I was like, he was like, fine, fine, cut, cut, you're good. It was like one of those moments. So it's interesting to explore that and see what that's like and what that could do to you personally in that moment when you're trying to bring that that character out. And um, yeah, I think it's important, man. Like the conversation needs to happen. People need to get help when they can. It's, it's hard to ask, it's hard to ask. Like to, to admit that you either have a problem where there's any issue, whether it be like a drug issue or a spiritual issue, yeah. it's hard. You're scared of judgment. and You have all these projections and fears. And most of the time, it's just catastrophizing where you're creating these scenarios in your head. And it's not really true. People are most of the time very compassionate and want to help each other. So, I think so. Especially I, if you have good, so. decent people around you. There's always going to be one guy who's like, ah, shake it off, bro, man up. You know? That guy needs help too. <laughs> More than you. More than That's you. True. <laughs> um, been married? Yep, I was married. What did you learn about Muhammad after your marriage? What I learned about myself after? Oof, I know what I want and don't want in life. You know, like I learned that. Um, I learned that um, that patience is is really important and also like. Sometimes a bad thing. 
Hmm. Like, when it's not right, it's not right. And when it feels good, it should be like easy. Relationships should be easy. Like partnership should be for the most part, I believe. I mean that easy, like it should be like really healthy and uplifting to each other and solid for one another and the clear communication and communication is super key. I think communication is probably like one of the top things in a relationship. Mm. Understanding each other and being in full communication with one another is like where it's at. You know, I think um, uh, it's, there is, you know, that people say you should persevere, you should compromise and all of these things, but you said something important. You said, sometimes it's just not right. So yeah. patience can be a negative, which yeah. I find very interesting. And I've talked about this on Instagram a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, even quitting can be an art. Yeah. To know that something is either toxic or incompatible, even a job, sure. even a gig, even whatever. You have to sometimes say, hey, the negatives are way more than the positives. Like right. this doesn't, des- I need to leave. Right. And I think that's a tricky thing because people think it's weak to leave sometimes. Yeah, Sometimes exactly. it's not. Sometimes it's strong to leave. It's so strong to leave, bro. It's so strong to leave. I completely agree with that. Mm. It goes either way. It goes both ways. It's for both parties. It's not for just a single person you might think is good for you and it's not you know like you know but a lot of people i think that the whole idea is that working with your logic and your heart and try to separate these things from your heart to from your to your nafs like trying to break these things down and make sure that they're all working together in unison with your spirituality is important that balance is key because yeah. if you're like just making a decision like you know, uh, just logical. Well, you know, it's perfect for us and we should just stay together. But you feel nothing inside when you're with them. Like, you should probably get out. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is true. It's like, I love them so much, but you're in an abusive relationship. Your logic says, get the hell out, you know? Sorry. And you got to be like, no, but what is everybody going to think? And that's your ego. Like, I should stay in this. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. You should do his best. It's all love in the end. It's all about being the best version of ourselves, both for each partner, I think it's like super key, super key. To have the compassion and caring about one another, that to do the right thing for both of you is very, very important. It's selfish and selfless. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, now I think you're right. You said also at the beginning when I asked you, you said it taught me what I don't want in a relationship, yeah. which is important. And sometimes we need to know what we don't want before we find Sure, <laughs> exactly. Like anything, you know, like you try stand-up comedy this style, you're like, mm, not so me. Yeah. Try it another way, you're like, oh, wow, the reaction yeah. was great and I enjoyed it. Yeah. So now I know what yeah. I don't do and what I do. Yeah. Same with friends, same exactly. with relationships. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's a, such an important thing. Um, what does love mean to you? Love to me is like compassion. Um... It's like real, real compassion, like un, like filtered, no judgment, and doing something. Like if you love somebody enough, you really care for them enough, you'll make them uncomfortable. I think that's like really key. People say they love each other all the time. I love you, I love you too. It's important. You should say it to each other. I think people forget that how important it is to 
make the people that you love also uncomfortable because it's good for them. And I think it's really important without being annoying and weird. Can you explain <laughs> what you mean when you say <coughs> Yeah, if you, if you see somebody that you care about, like that you actually love, and they're doing something that, that you know could be altered for, the, for their own betterment, it's okay to make them feel uncomfortable. Mm. It's okay to be like, hey, you know, I'm worried about you. If you really love somebody, you, you'll say something, mm. you know? And I think that like, just having love to me is just like not, it's such a complicated thing, love, right? Because it's like this emotion, sometimes it's rational, sometimes it's completely irrational. Mm. But I think just um, truly having a care and like being selfless with that love too. It's like, I love you only if, no, it should be like, I love you no matter what. I wish you weren't a crackhead, but I still love you for your crackhead. Like, it doesn't matter. I really want the best for you. Like, selflessly, I want the absolute best for you. Mm. Like, truly. That's yeah, part of it. We can, we can dissect this forever, bro. It's but a great topic because yeah. nobody ever has a definite answer, and but it's no. a beautiful question. Yeah. And when we ask it in these interviews, it's so interesting to see. And I love how compassion is a huge thing in your life. You talk about it a lot. Yeah. You've repeated it maybe six times today. <laughs> it's interesting. It's really and, important. And I think it has so much to do with empathy because I remember even when you talked about, I'd like people to just have compassion, even if you're from another country. Yeah. You don't just attack. Sure. Um, but even like you, how you're defining the uncomfortable state of love and confrontation. I mean, have you had people in your life that, that showed you that, that tells you, Mo, Habibi, no. All the time. <laughs> Every day. Mm. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. I got real people in my life. Just real people, man. Tell me all the time. Starts with my mom. Starts with my brothers. And then it goes like brothers, sisters, like closest friends that I grew up with. Man, hyper real. We have all like super real relationships with each other. And and um, it's a beautiful thing. I'm so lucky. You know, there's like eight of us that grew up in the neighborhood in Houston and Aleph, and we're still friends to this day. One unfortunately died at young age, um, and the rest of us all like remember him, love him, and we're all very close. And we made like a pact. It was like the Sandlot. You ever seen that movie, The Sandlot? No. So it's about all these kids that grew up in a certain neighborhood and they play baseball together in the neighborhood, this and that. So we have like a similar type relationship. And we all grew up together, and to this day, we talk every day on WhatsApp. But from there, it goes like from family, mom it starts with mom, family, my close, close crew, and then even my outside relationships. For the most part, we have a hyper real conversations, and we're very like cool with each other. And if we see something off, we let each other know. Okay, it's a very Houston thing too. I think like Houston is like this town, you know, like they call it H Town. It's like this village this community that you build around you. And it's cool, man. I've had like really, really um, beautiful conversations to this day, man. Like every day, every day they remind me like, you all right? I'm worried about you. You sleeping? Are you taking care of yourself? We need you. You're like, like yeah, no, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> You're lucky though. Sometimes, yeah, I'm good enough, of course. Super lucky. Favorite color. I don't really have, a, I have a problem with a favorite color. I think it's black now at this point. Like, I think like I wear so much black all the time. It mm. must be black. 
Because I say green, like I really like like a dark green. Something really appealing about that mm. to me. Which so one I think would you I say green. I say green. Yeah, I say green. Give me three reasons why. <sighs> um, every time you see it in life, whether it be grass and greenery, it just feels good. Something about it is like good. Okay. Uh, also gives you oxygen. Okay. You know, life. Life mm. itself. Um, appealing to my eyes. I don't know what else. Maybe that yeah. kind of tracks with one and three. That's but fine. that's the fastest answer I can come up with. Yeah. It looks good against my skin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite animal. It doesn't have to be with you. It can be anyone. Yeah. Liger. No, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> that's that would be the first. <laughs> I've never got that. Yeah. Man, animals are so fascinating to me, man. I love watching these plan these planetary shows, these animal shows. I love them. Uh, I want to say like lion, which I think is very common. As long say. as it's true to your answer. It's true. It's true. I've always loved lion. I think lions are so fascinating. I just, I love the, the mane, you know, like just something... So I carry a beard. I just relate to it. I feel like if I ran into a wildlife, and this is a completely absurd thought to have, I feel like I can connect with them, though. I feel like I wouldn't be in danger for some reason. I don't know why. It's such an absurd thing. I've always fantasized about this since I was a little kid. I see you. Like if I would just walk around South Africa just to the wilderness for no reason whatsoever and just ran into some lions, I feel like... By the end of the week, we're like fist bumping <laughs> and eating, eating with our hands together. Like it's just so funny mm. to me. But I also love elephants very much. I think elephants are so incredible. Like mm. man, they're really nice. You know, like incredible memory. Yes, super, super uh, smart. Yes, mm. but they also let us ride them. Like you could kill us in a second. You could squash us. But you still like, okay, you know what I mean? You've decimated my people and population, my, my, my yeah, species. I never thought of that. But I still, you know what? There's a collaboration between it. That's why I think horses are so fascinating too, and donkeys. Any animals that you can ride is so mind-blowing to me. When these animals, don't you know, you can just like, you know, just smash them like a cartoon? But they're like, all right, I hope you up. Grab my trunk, let me throw you up there. Let's go to war even. Like, it's crazy. Mm. So that's really fascinating to me. That relationship. And who was the first guy? You know what? I'm going to ride that elephant. He's like, fuck off. Man. You're not going to ride an elephant. It's an elephant. Watch me. I connected with him. You're crazy. And he comes back a week later with the elephant. You're like, this guy is, who is this guy? <laughs> must have been, must have felt like he's just a giant. Who's the first person to do it? There's no documentation about this. Who saw a horse running around but like, I'm going to ride that thing? It's a wild animal. How did you even track it down and catch it? And even think, like, I think I'm going to ride this. And then I can just move the mane of its hair, and it can go left, it can go right, I can direct it. It's fascinating to me. So which one? I don't, I don't have a clear answer. No. Which I think one do you they're think all pops up for you as a favorite if you had to choose? His favorite's the easiest one is the lion, you know. Three reasons why. Uh, it's the main, okay. <laughs> the, the fact that they are like vulnerable, okay. but also very like fierce, intimidating and fierce. Mm. Um, the prides of it all. Okay. 
It's good. Yeah, I think so those the, are like the main. So Muhammad, the color is you. Yeah. It's how Mo sees Mo. You chose green. Life, uh, attractive. It looks nice on you and you like seeing it. And the first point of green, you said, it's nice to see. I think that's what you said. I said that when you see the greenery, when yeah. you look out into the world, into the planet, like, yeah. so it's green here. Thing. It's a very, yeah, it's something very nice here. So, yeah. I would also, say oxygen gives you oxygen. Nice life and attractive. Yeah. So, that's how you see more. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> the animal is uh, ideal partner. So, mean, I'm sure your girl has to have beautiful hair or your future wife. Uh-huh. Beautiful hair. Second, vulnerable. Uh-huh. And fierce at the same time, and okay. proud. You gave me. We gave. We got an extra one. Uh, for sure. So these are the things that you should look for, okay. or would would be typically attractive to a mo. Or an elephant. What does the elephant do? That? <laughs> you, said, you already said. You said intelligent. Yeah. At the same time, they're collaborative. Yeah. So you see, it's interesting how you're you're thinking of these things, and maybe that's the main characteristics. Like if you sit down after this and just think. Those are the characteristics that I really like. Somebody who can crush me. I'm changing my dating app profile right now. (laughs) Just kidding. Looking for an animal. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for someone with a great memory that allows me to ride them. Wait, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. wait. This could be misconstrued completely, but this is the way I think about it. I'm going to blame you for it completely. (laughs) (laughs) I said this in an interview. Mm. Um, If this is a... Um, hypothetical. Uh-huh. If I have an envelope with your date of death and I gave it to you, <sighs> would you open it or not? Immediately. Really? Like, <laughs> like if it's two days, oh shit, we're going to get it together. <laughs> I think so. Why? I don't know. I want to say I want to say no, like I really wanted to, but there's no way I can be patient with that. <laughs> I would look at that envelope every morning, but you son of a bitch. Like I would want to see it. I mean, like, if you could know, I think Carlin had a joke like this. George? George Carlin, of Mm. course. One of the greats of all time. He said, like, you know, (laughs) he said it'd be really cool, like, uh, if you're about to die, you're the only person that knows. Just like in a football game, they give you a two-minute warning, you know, in American football. Mm. And he goes, like, just the death comes to you, like, all right, you have two minutes, get your shit together, (laughs) you know, like, just this... (laughs) So I, I don't know, something about like knowing you can aggressively pursue whatever it is before you die. Like, mm. I think it's interesting. I mean, no matter what, I'm doing it, but it's nice to know. Okay. Take a shower before I go. Like, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be good, like, just prepare properly. Mm. I don't know. Mm. It's an interesting question with absolutely, I don't know what people will answer. It's one of those that you can't get a typical answer. Yeah, you also like, I, I say yes, and maybe when I, if somebody actually gives it to me, like, you know what, I don't want to know. Mm. I could have all the courage right now, like, yeah, I want to know. Then I'm just like, no, it's too much pressure. Like, yeah. keep this away from me. Let mm. it just be spontaneous. Hopefully for a long time from now. Inshallah. So, and also long time is real relative. What do you mean by long time? So. You know. Uh, if you saw Mo walking, yeah, what impression would you have of Mo? Like he has a funny walk. <laughs> That's, what I mm. That's what I see every time I see a video of me walking. I'm like this guy has a really hilarious walk. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like natural, just like 
it's just funny. Just think I'm, I just think it looks funny. <laughs> and if you weren't Mo, would you be friends with Mo? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. How come? Yeah. Um, I'm just like extremely loyal. I love my friends. Like I think that all of them, like I'm just a reflection of who my friends are. That's what my mother says. Like your crew is just all like very kind and thoughtful people and, you know, love their families. So, yeah. Hmm. Hell yeah. I'd want to be friends with me. Nice. <laughs> and uh, what are you afraid of? <sighs> what am I afraid of? Basements, basements are terrifying. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm not kidding. Basements are terrifying. They're not anymore. <laughs> what am I afraid of? I think it's like, man, it's a tough question, actually. What am I afraid of? My faith has given me a lot of, like, um, courage. <laughs> I feel that way. But um, what am I afraid of? Uh, like world destruction, probably. Like just people just mauling each other. I think I'm more afraid of that than anything else. Yeah. I think afraid of, um, I have fear around like losing family. That sucks. That's probably like the main ones. And but the rest of it, bro, is like whatever. I know, right? It's all bullshit. It's all fabricated. It's like most of it is not real. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I think those are like the main things. Like not accomplishing the things you, I came here. I felt very strongly about that I want to pull off, and running out of time. That's like scary to me. But not even that's like, you know. Mm. But really, the most part is just like losing family. Just thinking about that. Being alone, just out there, with a little stink, just walking around, thinking about times past. Those are like scary, but also beautiful. So, yeah. You know how I, I flip it sometimes? Uh, I would say you had the gift of a father for 14 years. Yeah. That's the yeah. other side of it. Exactly. You know? Some people have zero. Some people have zero, absolutely zero. So, yeah, completely on both sides. And you had a good father. A great father, you know, great father, very generous, very kind, just really smart, great. What's his name? Mustafa. Mm. And great. if you could send uh, Ami Mustafa a letter now and he would read it, yeah. what would you write? I mean, that's a long letter, bro. You're not going to corner me into that question. I'm just going to let that go. It's a lot. I would just, I'm always so curious about like what he would think. I think it would blow his mind, like completely blow his mind. Like my son's doing what? That's crazy. <laughs> like my mom seeing me at Radio City Music Hall in 2017, that was like a big like, oh, you know, oh, my son's like, really starting to pop now you know like this is how this is what he does whoa cool yeah my mom told me that she was like this is so like amazing that you're doing this mm -hmm. and i was like mom what's really cool is that i came out of you that's really cool she's like i know that's, really cool. that's so sweet yeah
You think he'd be proud of you? For sure. I don't know if he would have understood, like, immediately when I started. He'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is, go to school. Like, maybe, maybe he wouldn't have. I don't know. Maybe I would have gotten into telecom and I would have been a billionaire by now. And this was a complete big waste of time. Like, who knows? <laughs> it might have been better for me. Who knows? Like, these are all hypotheticals. I don't really like to think about. I don't entertain what ifs. Hmm. Only to learn. Sorry. Only to like, okay, if this happened before, take notes. Okay, trash it. Mm. It's over now. Mm. What ifs are like, they're against our religion even. Like, you know, it's Muslims. You're not supposed to and entertain what ifs. And the Yeah. Um, when did you disappoint Mo? You, feel, you felt disappointed in yourself? Every day. Disappointed myself this morning. Uh, you know, I didn't eat right last night. I was ate decently, like passed out, didn't pass out, couldn't sleep. Every day is a little bit of disappointment. <laughs> it's like every day. It's the only way you can make yourself better. You got to call yourself out all the time. And is there once that was really bad? Like you were really let down by yourself? Um, of course, you have your moments. I mean, like what kind of person doesn't have like low moments all the time? I, mean, I chose stand-up comedy as an art form. It's horribly, you let yourself down all the time. Uh, but that's part of the growth, you know, like, it's okay. I don't, I try not to beat myself up as I used to. I used to be really hard on myself. But I think that's all part of the tenacity of wanting to make it and push forward. And so you just gotta like, be really harsh with yourself. But sometimes it's important to be like compassionate too and sweet to yourself. It's so, very, very important, yeah. And the happiest moment that you can remember? Happiest moment, I gotta just pick one, the most recent one. Um, I would say going to Omana with my mom in July. Yeah. It was weird because it was like really, really sad time, but also like really, really powerful. Yeah. Uh, being in Medina with my mom, that's like, Medina is such a special, special place. I just remember just I just can't get enough. I love it there so much. And Allah just brought me there like twice this year. And I want to sneak away right now and go. Like I love it. Love the vibe, the spirit of it. Feel like in the air. You just feel the nur, man. There's something about it. It's really unique. Yeah. Even if you're like a non-believer, non-everything, I think anybody would feel something there. Be crazy not to like. It's such a special place. So experiencing that with my mom is so special. It's so cool. Going back to Palestine with my mom, one of the happiest moments of my life. Mm. Uh, being on my grandparents' rooftop with her, where she was born, and most beautiful like, it's My favorite picture. Yeah. Mm. Those are like really special. Mecca and Medina have a special energy. I've, I've, and I, I can understand why the Prophet went to Medina also. Because yeah. Medina has a very light energy. It's so I don't know light. if I even can use that word, but it felt peaceful. I don't know. Serene? It is. It's right. It's all those things. Yeah. It was really sad time. I was just like sitting there and I just like was smiling. I looked at my boy. I was like, what is this place? Like, it's so interesting. Mm. It's just a beautiful place. It's like you feel like you're inside Avatar. Like the way that it's just like, it's from the future, but it's old. It's like, it's just really fascinating. Huh. 
how it can feel really old but still very new at the same time yeah. like even in yeah it's just it's just the best yeah. it's the best um if we could take your heart uh, and place it in front of you what would your heart tell me be like stop eating this stuff bro <laughs> clean me up bro just <laughs> Stop smoking, bro, please. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to see it, bro. Keep it in there, bro. Keep it in there. <laughs> just plausible deniability. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do the Arab stuff by putting it on the back. <laughs> keep that in the back. Uh, was a question, what would my heart say to you? I mm. don't know. I think, it, I think I would like to think that it's like uh, I let other people talk about my heart. Mm. How about that? I think that's better. It's a fair answer. Yeah. And uh, your dad in one word. Um, let's try to pick the right one here. Just like really energetic. Hmm. Just um, passionate. I'll say passionate. Okay. Khalti Amna in one word. Spiritual. Hmm. Like light. Hello. Yeah. Um, I've never asked this question. Yeah. I'll ask it with you. Okay. You know how in the West they have uh, the tombstone has something like yeah. a, like a description of somebody, yeah. right? Here we gotta educate people that are not seeing it. There's no tombstones. You know they write John da da da. He was a funny person or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if we will, in the tombstone Shahad al Gabr. Mm. So if let's say we did that hypothetically, what would you want written under your name? Ooh. Just one word? No, it can be a sentence. I gotta come back to that. It's too big. It's an interesting yeah, question. It's too big. It's a great question. But I don't even want anything there. It's just like, yeah, what do you write on there? I never thought that enough. It should be, I think, like the essence of Too busy of thinking you. about The essence of you or something you want somebody to read. Yeah. You want to be funny as a comedian, but also you don't. Like, it's not the time to joke, bro. Like, stop. Maybe not the time to make a joke. Like, you think the people that have hilarious quotes on there, like, maybe not now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're in there, bro. Like, it's right above you. People are reading it. I probably write something that benefits me in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, it's like somebody starts reading it, like, yes, gained another one. You know? I think that's what I would do. I would find the best dua for those that are in the grave and black. I get everybody reading it every time they go by. Even people that don't believe, like, damn it, he got me. My God, you. <laughs> I'd find something like that. Because I want to think of something like uh, deeply empathetic and caring and thoughtful. Love it. Who the fuck knows? Like, let, let people let them say that about you if that's really who you are. Mm. And then just get something that's beneficial for you while you're in the grave. Mm. That's what I would do. Okay. Um, Glad we figured that out. Mm. <laughs> it's a good investment. Yeah. Um, if you had the blessing uh, of being amongst your loved ones and you're dying, yeah. but you have the blessing of choosing what you can say. What would you tell your loved Say that again. 
So let's say you're about to die. Yeah. And you have the blessing of being able to talk to your loved ones yeah. while they're there. What would you want to tell them? I think it would be very much the same what we're talking about. Like, have patience, have love, uh, compassion, empathy, and just like expressing my love, you know, uniquely to whoever I'm speaking with, for sure. And celebrate, don't cry. You're gonna cry, but don't like, not too much. Keep it moving, you know, for sure. Mm. Enjoy the greenery. <laughs> Yeah, it would be a lot. It would be a lot said, but I hope I get that opportunity. It'd be amazing. Some people don't get that chance. Yeah. And uh, Muhammad in one word. Uh, how would you describe me? It's not my. You just met me. How would you describe me? How would I describe you? Yeah, you know, nobody ever has, has ever flipped it on me. Because I get like real self-conscious with describing myself. Because it it's like... like It's nice to, you know, to um, summarize yourself in a word. It's not yeah. easy. Uh, so we'll both answer it, I guess. I would say lighthearted in the end. Like, you know, hmm. very lighthearted. Uh, also like very serious <laughs> but i think that this i think that's i hope it's other stuff too but i think again i defer to you know people that know me or just met me or know me forever like to describe me i'd prefer that how would i describe you after meeting you for an hour hmm. there is something about you that is so youthful like it's like i'm with a a joyous child <laughs> you know in in a good way because yeah, i feel I we grow up and we lose this beauty yeah and i think beneath all of the complications of life and the hardships you've been that's the best so that's yeah. the best that's my thank you also yeah i love it i think there is a, a purity like a, a beautiful child under it you know? Absolutely. Thank you, man. 100%. That's, I get described like that a lot, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I'm glad. Yeah. So it feels good to still have it. Shukran. Next to a dead cheetah. <laughs> Shukran. <laughs> Shukran. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I hope you enjoyed it. You're a beautiful guy. I love you. I love you. I hope you enjoyed it. I loved it, man.